Welcome to the Storyform podcast. Storyformed is here to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, good books, and beauty in the life of your child. And welcome to the Story Form Podcast. I'm Holly Packiam, and I'm joined today by Jamie Showmaker. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing well, Holly. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We are, um, I'm looking forward to spring break coming up pretty soon for us. Um, this is the time of year where I always start to kind of feel the weight of routine. I think there's, yes. there's part of me that, that I love the routine, but then there's part of me after so many months of the same routine that I start feeling a bit of an itch to change it up. And so I try to do that within our days as much as possible, but um, I am looking forward to after Easter, um, we're going to go to the mountains for a few days just to oh, get nice. away. And yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to doing that. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I, I always get spring fever about yes. this time of year. And in North Carolina, it really does turn into spring, usually this time of year. We we do occasionally have like a big snow in March, but, um, you know, everything's blooming and it's starting to get oh, really so warm and yeah. all the flowers and the trees and everything. So it's it's always really nice. And I do get that itch. And we, mm-hmm. have, we have spring break for our co-op for the next two weeks. So that's nice. And I always... Um, really, really want to go to the beach about this time of year. And yes. so um, I'm so excited. My husband and I are taking off for a couple of days tomorrow um, just by ourselves to go. So I'm really looking forward to that. So oh, that sounds be wonderful. Nice. Yes. yes. It's not going to be very warm, but it still will be the beach and it'll be nice. So yes, it'll be yeah, good. definitely. Yes. Well, I'm a little jealous of your blooming flowers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that we're supposed to get some wintry weather on Sunday, I think. So they might all be brown by the time we take our Easter <laughs> oh, pictures next yes. week. So I'll hope not. Fingers crossed, but it's possible. Yes. Oh. Yes. That's North Carolina for you. We yes. have like 75 degree weather. We literally last week had a day that was like 80 and then the next day, it barely got above freezing. <laughs> so, wow. it's, yeah, it's crazy, crazy weather here, but I love it. Yes. Oh. Well, today we are going to jump in and, and talk about reading with teens. We've had um, several of you contact us and talk to us and write messages about us wanting or wanting us to talk about teens and you know what they're thinking about and what they're learning and processing and what what we should be reading with them. So we're going to dive into that. And I, when I'm thinking about this topic, I've been thinking about what teens are asking. You know, they're, they're asking these internal things of who am I and, you know, who, who really are my parents? I've been living with them and doing life with them for so many years, but they're, I think teens are really starting to process, you know, who they are. So then that makes them ask, who is everyone else around me and what makes Mm -hmm. them tick and, um, being curious about that, um, and want really wanting to dive into those relationships, but sometimes trying to trying to figure that out. I think sometimes they're also asking, you know, what is what is my place in this world? What are what is my calling? What are my gifts? You know, all those kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to figure out the best way to process that. Yes, I, I remember asking a lot of those questions as as when I was a teenager. I remember it very vividly, and I actually kept a journal, and I still have it, so I can go back and look and see kind of how I wrestled with some of those exact things. And it was it was definitely 
definitely a time of transition for me and, and a little bit of turmoil. I think, I think most teenagers go through that as they're kind of um, taking that step between childhood and adulthood. And you kind of have your feet planted in both worlds. And it, it feels um, very disorienting, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things are changing in your life at that time. And I know it was the same for me, you know, including my priorities and how I was spending my time. And I think that that's pretty typical of most teenagers as well. Yeah, I, I know. I remember thinking about who I wanted to be and in mm-hmm. some of those areas of my life having a difficult time taking a step forward out of where I was and right. taking those, you know, steps to be open with my parents and to really let them in and to process. And so, yeah, those are definitely some of the challenges for me. That's amazing, Jamie, that you have that journal. How wonderful that you can look at that and really know what you are thinking. It's really, I think it will be helpful as, as a parent too, that I can actually go back and look and see, okay, when I was 16, these were the things that I was thinking and, right. and I, I hope it will help me to relate a little bit better with mm-hmm. my, with my boys, you know, mm-hmm. so I, it's different. I'm a girl. There's a lot more drama in my journal I think, <laughs> than what they would go through. But I mean, you know, some of this, this, the questions are, will be the same, I think. And so, yes. yeah, I'm grateful that I have that. I've kept a journal since I was eight and I have them all. So, wow, yeah. that is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and speaking of teens, I am about to have my oldest child become a teenager here in the next week. So, yeah, so I'm just I'm just on the edge of of having a teenager. So this is something that I'm really thinking through. I think my oldest is, you know, she's kind of on that verge of going from, you know, maturing. So I still see these childlike parts of her, but then I see these, you know, uh, parts of her that are becoming an adult like. And so, yeah, so this topic is very... um, very present with me at this time. So I I don't have teenage children, but I have a 16 year old niece and a 14 year old Mm -hmm. nephew that I'm Mm -hmm. extremely close to. And so, you know, I see a lot of this um, very closely with them as well. So, right. Yeah. You're getting a chance to process with them a little bit. I bet. (laughs) I am. Yes. (laughs) Well, I've, I've also been thinking about just teen culture today and what that looks like. I think I talked to some parents who, you know, they're concerned about their kids because they have observed them being voracious readers as younger kids. And then as they get older and start having, you know, more interests, maybe, Not necessarily that they've stopped reading, but they have other things that they're pursuing and they seem to lose interest in some way in in reading, at least as as much as they had before. Um, I think many teens I know are just getting more involved in activities than they were as younger kids. Um, You know, they're pursuing sports or music or social things. and, um, And of course... You know, I don't think at all that being involved in activities and reading are, they're not mutually exclusive, but I think we see that some teens seem to see, maybe they think that like, well, I've chosen these other things and sometimes they do abandon reading in the process. And so I think this is something that parents are concerned about. Um, You know, how can I, how can I uh, encourage my kids to pursue these things that they're interested in and, uh, you know, that that leads to growing them in different ways and having good character. And there's lots of great things about jumping into those things, but not, they don't want to, not at the expense of, of reading, you know, as an individual or with families uh, or with their family. But I think sometimes when so much of their time is taken up with, with those other things, then it makes, 
it makes choosing reading difficult or they're too tired or there just isn't space. Um, but making choices to read as a family or even as an individual, as a teen, I think it does kind of seem to go against the grain of culture a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been thinking about, you know, how do we as parents, as teachers, we we want this, I think, being a teen and is is a season when as people who are are walking with them when we start to let them go just you know little by little we start to want to let them make more of their own decisions but at the same time we want to retain these pillar habits in the home i think i'm not quite there but i'm starting to process these things you know i really want to keep reading aloud as a family and i i don't want so many other things to push that out because it is such a high value right. for us um, but I really believe that as we, you know, as a family and for, for others of you who are thinking about this with your family, I think as we continue to pursue the Lord and not to get too worried and, um, to just, you know, ask the Lord how we can figure out ways to pursue this value that we have of reading the Bible together and, and other great books. Um, I really do believe it, it is a way that can continue to connect us as families and mm-hmm. keep our teens connected um, all the way through their time at home. Um, I really believe it is such a it's a, such a way of life that connects us. It gives right. us uh, the possibility of having great conversation. And I really, my hope and prayer is that we will continue to read to our kids aloud all the way till they graduate and leave home. And then maybe it'll just be something my husband and I do together. <laughs> Right. No, I I completely agree, Holly. I think, you know, not only does that kind of cement the foundation and the family culture that you've been cultivating all of these years, you know, Mm -hmm. because that that doesn't that doesn't go away. You want that to, to remain important in the life of your child, even as a teenager, obviously. But it can also, you know, kind of be a a place where you can, um, a time of intentional discipleship, even, Mm -hmm. um, it just depending on um, the discussions that happen when you're reading aloud, you know, I think about how, if I had had this habit in my home, um, in my teenage years, it definitely could have grounded me during those Mm -hmm. tumultuous years, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly if you are reading well-chosen books, it can give you a place to kind of work out some of those questions that teenagers are asking and, um, particularly about, you know, the place, their place in this world. And, um, you know, but they're working all of that out under the thoughtful and wise guidance of parents, you know, and so it really can be, um, an opportunity for discipleship, um, even though, I mean, whether you're reading the Bible or whether you're reading, um, really anything you can use that, you know, the, you know, the Bible talks about whether you walk along the road where you sit, no matter what you're reading, um, you can use that, that as an opportunity to disciple your child. And so it's, it's a really good opportunity still. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. There's there's a there's a woman who wrote a book called Honey for the Teen's Heart and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit here as a great recommendation but I really like a quote that she has shared um, and and the quote says sharing a book makes for a delightful companionship that is sharing yourself and that's mm-hmm. I think that that yes. quote kind of encapsulates what we're what we're saying mm-hmm. um, and so let's do let's talk a little bit about. Um, you know, why this is so important reading together in the teen years. Um, as we've kind of mentioned already, it just, it gives us opportunity, I think, to have that growing relationship that, you know, there may be things our teens want to talk with us about, and there may be other things that are harder, but I think mm-hmm. books give, um, or have the opportunity to give a place for some of these important conversations. You know, some books bring up 
difficult themes and they're nuanced and they're layered and not always black and white. And so I think, mm-hmm. right. You know, we, I think us as parents and our teens can benefit from these conversations and we want to be the ones that they come to, to talk yes. about this. And so, you know, sometimes it might come up naturally in life, but other times it may not. And so mm-hmm. reading a book with these, you know, sometimes difficult themes can be, um, a platform for discussing that, I think. Um, yes. I'm excited to delve into some of these, you know, more difficult books of my girls. And um, I think our culture tends, you know, at generally speaking to, you know, want to do movies with family and are just sharing, sharing pictures or, and, and those things are not bad. I'm not speaking anything negatively of them, but I think reading together gives us a chance to just slow down from the normal pace of life to imagine a story together and give opportunity to even talk about it. Right. Yeah. I I think this is, it's incredibly important. I think, you know, reading books together with your teen can, can help them to discover the various worldviews that they are going to encounter when they Mm -hmm. leave the home Mm -hmm. um, and kind of help them also to form their own worldview, which as Christian parents, we are hoping to instill a biblical worldview, you know, in their hearts and minds. But, um, you know, and that can happen and should happen with media as well, other media like movies and music and things like that. But as you said, Holly, I think slowing down and really savoring the story and, and what's being said is important. And I also think that books will really allow you to get inside the mind and the heart of a character in a way that, you know, movies just can't, can't capture. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of can have a deeper understanding of their motivations and their actions. And um, like Crime and Punishment just came to mind when I was thinking about that and how Dostoevsky really delves deep into Raskolnikov's turmoil as he wrestles with his sin and his actions. And so you really get a clear picture of his spiritual angst and his Mm -hmm. journey. And, you know, I think that kind of peek into human nature is really helpful for teens as they are wrestling with these same kinds of questions. Um, and so I, I think that that you can get really um, down to kind of the core ideas and motivations and um, things like that in, in books. Because you a lot of times the author will give you a peek. They'll let you know what's going on in the in the character's mind and their heart. And um, whereas with a movie you can't you can't see that. Um, but I just think that um, having having a story where a teen can kind of follow along and see how this character encounters decisions and makes choices and whether they make a good choice or a bad choice and why they made that choice and what the consequences are. I, I think I mentioned on a on another podcast that I was reading Kristen Kristen Lavren's daughter. Mm-hmm. And you know that's a that's a great example of of a, a book where a character um is really wrestling internally with choices. And sometimes she makes good choices and sometimes she makes very, very, very poor choices. And you see the consequences and the outcome of that. And just allowing your team to kind of see how the character works that out, then will equip them. You know, we talk a lot about um, giving them opportunities to kind of explore and do things through books before right. they actually do them in real life, yes. you know? Yes. And this is such a great opportunity to do that. And with teenagers, you can kind of explore some of those more really difficult um, 
choices Mm -hmm. and decisions that they're going to be encountering, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think related to that, just, you know, them, all the things that they're going through, some adolescents can tend to be more self-focused, you know, they're trying to figure things out and reading can really together with them, with our, with Mm -hmm. our teens can give the opportunity to take the focus off this child, allow, um, the teen to, I'm saying child, I mean teen, <laughs> to enter into the story of another. And I think especially when we do it together as a family, it, here again, it gives that opportunity to have some great conversation uh, through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's also probably where you might find a little resistance possibly with your teen as far mm-hmm. as reading together as a family because you yeah, know, they do true. have a lot going on socially yeah. and academically and athletically. Some have jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so setting aside specific time for the family to read together um, just really shows that family time is still a priority and it should be a priority. And, you know, especially if they have younger siblings, because it, it does give them a chance to stay connected during right. a season of life where mm-hmm. it's kind of normal to start pulling away right. and drifting apart. Mm-hmm. Um And so, you know, there might be a little bit of resistance as far as, you know, setting aside that time and and having them come together. But it's, I just think it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something else, um, I think that when we think about the why of all of this that I've been thinking about is that we're we're all formed by the words that are spoken over us. You know, there's someone's reading it over us or we're reading it ourselves, Um, you know, whether it's from Bible stories or um, passages from articles or or just good books, but none of us are ever too old to hear those words. Um, And so I think, you know, as our, even like you're saying, Jamie, you know, hoping to keep them connected. And I think for for all of us, you know, what we feed on is what we dwell on. And so I think we hope for our teens that they'll continue to be taking in good stuff to chew on and think about. Absolutely. And I think this is one of the main reasons that I hope and plan to still be reading as a family when my boys are teenagers, because Mm -hmm. I want to take every opportunity that I can before they leave home to fill their cup brimful with everything that is good and true and beautiful. And and I want to pour beautiful words and, and truthful words into their souls that they will remember when I'm no longer around to help guide them. And so, you know, taking every opportunity to do that, I think Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. So then I'm sure many of you listeners are thinking, so, okay, that sounds really great, but how do we do this? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, when you're thinking of your own teens or teens, you know, and as we've mentioned, you know, all the things that they, you know, are probably, you know, wanting to to focus in on. And, you know, some of these things that they're involved in may lead to future careers or hobbies or things. Um, but I think one of the the hows is that even if your teen is, um, you know, doing things on certain days or if you feel like, well, I can't, you know, if I can't read with them every day or we can't do read alouds as a family every day that I guess I just can't do this at all, you know. But I think instead of thinking that, we can think about maybe reading together in seasons. So if you are a soccer family and you, you know, your your season um, in the your fall season and spring season is intense and you're gone out of the home a lot, then maybe your reading aloud seasons are in the winter in the in the summer. So we can be creative with this. We don't have to feel like, well, if I can't do it well all the time, then I just, I can't do it. But what, what creative solutions could you come up for your family puzzle? 
Right. I, I think this is another time when audiobooks can really come in handy. Mm-hmm. Um, because if your teen is not driving himself or herself, then you're spending a lot of time in the car yes. with your teen, <laughs> running them to various activities and from place to place. And so you can use that time wisely by playing an audiobook while you're running to and fro. I mean, even even five minutes here and five minutes there adds up really quickly. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely does not have to be all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think something else that, if you know, considering reading aloud together, whenever that is, that you can do it. Sometimes I think what can be fun for teens and younger kids is to pass the book around and mm-hmm. take turns reading. I know my older girls are really enjoying that and hope that they will continue to do that. But that gives them also, I think, a little bit of ownership for, right. you know, for, for, re- for what they're reading and thinking through and they have fun with that. We've been reading through um, A Wrinkle in Time, which I'm sure many of you have been reading or see, have saw, seen the movie recently. Um, there's so many great themes in it, but um, mm-hmm. one of the themes that we've been talking about is the theme of free will. And some of you who know the story will remember a scene where when they're visiting um, the kids in the story are visiting one of the planets called Camazots. Um, they're they observe these, you know, children all bouncing the ball, the same ball, mm-hmm. exactly the same time, yes. exactly the same yeah. second, um, wearing the same kind of clothes. The mothers come out exactly the same time to call them in. And it's kind of a bit of an eerie scene. Yes, but it, it really, yeah, but it, that is, I mean, from the first time I read it, that's, that's the part of the book that has stuck out to me most. <laughs> just um, because there have been seasons where I've, I when I was a lot younger and um, really struggled with, you know, why is it that God gave us this free will? Sometimes it seems like there's there's too much of a chance for things to go wrong in the world, and you know we could get on a whole talk about suffering and all of that. But I think this is a this is something to show us, you know, what would it look like if you know for as Christians, like what if God controlled you know everything and every movie make? What kind of a world would that be like? And so this is a way to kind of engage in that discussion, um, and you know what would things be like if if everything were perfect or controlled. You know, right. so, so that, yes. yeah, that's been interesting to talk about that. I love that. Family. And, yeah. and I love the idea of passing the book around because it, it gives everybody a chance to feel special and it's kind of an opportunity to encourage one one another. And, and I, I love that idea. I love that you guys are doing that. Yeah. It's been, it's been really great. Um, <laughs> So one of the questions that we receive, um, that we often receive here at Story Formed is, how do I help my teens choose books? Um, so one of my first thoughts is uh, a resource called Honey for the Teen's Heart, which we, which I mentioned a little bit ago. But it's a great guide for finding books and also talks about the Bible. Um, it's a basically part of the book is an annotated list with over 400 recommendations of books for teens. There's also um, chapters in there with ideas for how to talk with them about the different books and just ideas for getting the most out of them. Um, this book was published in 2002, so unfortunately there aren't reviews on newer books. Um, but there's, you know, many older books. I think that's so valuable. And we do talk a lot about older books and classics here in Storyformed. Um, another resource that I would recommend is a website called redeemedreader.com. And um, they are a group of about five contributors. And they do review older books, but their main focus is actually on, from what I understand and what I've seen from their site, is reviewing newer books, maybe within the past few years. And so, and they're publishing these, and it's just primarily a review website. So if you're thinking, okay, I heard about this new book that came out, or my child's school teacher is recommending this, or this 
high school list or something, there's a good chance that they have reviewed it. So if you're especially those new books, I think you could look them up there. Um, oh, and then another note about Honey for the Teen's Heart. Um, some of you may have heard of a genre, a fairly new genre, actually, of of the called YA books, and that just means young adult fiction. But this genre actually is fairly new in some ways. Um, it was just coming out around the time of Honey for a Teen's Heart. So we really do, you know, since post-2002, we really do have this new genre of books that wasn't around mm-hmm. when we were growing up. And, right. You know. So... Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you're thinking about how do I know what what books to recommend for my teen, I think this is where you just make good use of people and resources that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, a story form, we, we hope to be one of those resources yes. for you. <laughs> we, we we certainly haven't read everything, but we're, we are more than happy to answer your questions. If you do, write us and ask, you know, what do you think about my teenager mm-hmm. reading so-and-so? Um, you know, we will, we'll let you know if we've read it. If not, we'll, we'll find out for you. You know, we'll, um, get, get, get you connected to resources that you can trust, but, you know, also ask trusted friends who have teenagers or, um, friends like us who, who just read voraciously as adults, um, because they may have read it already and they might be able to help. But, you know, sometimes you can, you can get an idea of a book's appropriateness by reading reviews on places like Goodreads or Amazon. Um, it's not always the case, of course, so I would not use that as my primary source, but mm-hmm. a lot of times if there is a glaring problem or something troubling with the book, others are going to point it out in the reviews. So sometimes you can kind of just scroll through and see, um, sometimes I, I guess I would say you might get a better indication that it's not a book for you as opposed to, yes, I highly recommend this book. I don't know mm-hmm. that I would trust a, a, a positive recommendation, but you might get a, get a gauge on a, on a really negative recommendation through those. And there are a lot of good book lists out there that you can reference um, if you choose trusted sources. Um, one thing that comes to mind is um, Ambleside Online as a book list. That's obviously a, a curriculum um, that a lot of homeschoolers use, um, but they have a great book list. They do. And yeah, yeah and so yeah. anything on Ambleside Online's book list um, is, is probably going to be, um, for the most part, um, you know, something that you can recommend and they have it broken out by grade. And so you kind of get a gauge for what age they would recommend, um, your teenager reading. Um, or if there's a particular school organization that you support or trust, um, you can see if they have a book list for high school that you can reference. A lot of, um, Christian schools and things like that have, um, an actual curriculum that includes a book list that you can look at. And, um, of course we've mentioned read for the heart, Sarah Clarkson's book Mm -hmm. on the podcast and blog. Mm -hmm. Um, it's focused mainly on children's books, but there are still a lot of suggestions in there, particularly as you get into fantasy and historical fiction and, and different things like that. There are a lot of, um, good recommendations for teenagers in Sarah's book. So it's an excellent resource. Yeah. Thanks for all those, Jamie. Those are really great. Um, another one of our listeners has asked a question, um, when I walk into Barnes and Noble with my teen daughter, how do I know what classics are appropriate for her? The classics may be at her reading level, but what about some of the classics with mature themes? And so <laughs> this, you know, is not an easy thing to answer. It's right. not a black and white <laughs> answer. But here's some things maybe you could think about um, 
in processing this, um, I think the first thing I would ask is, you know, have you read it yourself? So do you, right. do you, what is your response to it as a parent or as a teacher? Is there anything in the book that you would be concerned about? And especially as a parent, knowing your daughter or, you know, if it's a son, mm-hmm. um, you know, their disposition, their personality sensitivities, you know, as a parent, do you, do you think there'd be anything in the book that would be too mature? Um, or, and I, I think, I kind of think about the sensitivity part. I've always been a pretty sensitive reader. And there probably, as as I was getting older and, you know, as a teen, actually, even as an adult now, there are things that I have adult friends that would, you know, recommend a book to me. And I would say, okay, there's certain topics um, that are Mm -hmm. hard for me. Um, And so, you know, even though, you know, I might have friends that just gloss over, you know, they just read straight through those things and it doesn't even bother them. But for me, there are some specific issues that I would have a a hard time with. And so I think those are some things to, to think about. Yeah, I I agree. And I think this is just encouragement to us as parents to read ourselves. Um, I know we are incredibly busy and there's no way that we can probably keep up with our teens reading habits, um, especially, you know, older kids in high school who have books that they have to read for school and all of that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to pre-read everything, but, um, but it's just a good reminder that we also need to be reading good books as much as we possibly can ourselves. Um, so we just want to encourage you to continue doing that. Mm -hmm. And I also think too, that, you know, there's, I want to encourage, you know, my, my team that there might, there might be something that they come to if that, you know, they're sensitive to, or, you know, that they think, okay, I want to help them to be discerning. So there might be something that they come to that, um, they might feel uncomfortable about. And so I would want to encourage them if you really don't feel comfortable reading this, you know, sometimes there is a place to push through, but there's also, I think a place to set it down sometimes and say, you know, this just isn't something that I'm ready to process yet. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about why, you know, we should still read together as a family or as parents Mm -hmm. and with teenagers, when you have teenagers, because it it does give your teen an opportunity to really kind of process through some of these difficult themes or truths under the umbrellas of your guidance and your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether that means um, setting the book down because they're not ready or walking through it when they are ready. You know, I think having ha- doing that um, alongside a parent is, is so valuable. And, you know, I, I might be controversial here, but I think particularly with older teens, it, it really is important to kind of walk through some of those mature ideas and themes before they encounter them on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to guide my sons through those things as opposed to allowing them, you know, to, to go off and encounter them for the first time by themselves and not really know how to process some of those things. And, you know, I know we want to keep our children as innocent as long as possible. And I strongly, strongly believe in that. But I I do also think that we're responsible for raising children that can stand on their own two feet when they are out from under our wing. Mm-hmm. And, and if we don't give them the opportunity to do that before they've left the nest, then they won't know how to make those wise decisions. And so, you know, I, I don't necessarily advocate avoiding all of these mature themes with your teenagers right? right absolutely. Um, at all. I, I just think parents need to guide them through them. And I, I mean, I think about how I personally read the Scarlet letter when I was 15 mm-hmm. and there are some extremely mature themes in that story. Um, I don't know if you've read it or not, but I have not. Actually yeah, read that there one. are, yeah, well, you know, she's the Scarlet letter is a for, um, adultery. 
that that's what mm-hmm. the A, that's the uh-huh. letter. Right. And so, you know, it, it that's an extremely mature theme right there off the bat, <laughs> you know, in the title. Um, and, but I was, I was ready for those discussions and that, that, that book provoked at that point in my life. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I do want to say that I, I think there's a very clear distinction to be made here that, um, there may be mature themes in classics, but most classics are classics for a reason. Um, I think most of them are trustworthy once you get to a certain age, you know, that you're able to kind of walk through those things. But I am not talking about some of the more modern books that glamorize or sensationalize those themes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think there's a difference. I do think there are books that aren't appropriate for anybody to be reading, right. a teenager yes. or adult. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I think one of my personal guidelines for reading with teenagers is this, is, is, is it appropriate for me? Mm-hmm. Um, if the answer question. is no, they mm-hmm. don't need to be reading it either. Um, and honestly, we're running into this problem with some of the more modern novels that are showing up on school reading lists these days. Um, but I think as far as classics are concerned, um, you know, they're, they're classics for a reason. Um, they deal with, with just, um, the reality of, of being human and what that looks like and, and how different people respond to, to situations and wrestle with, with truth and, and morality and, and all of that. And I think, um, you know, kind of walking through those things with your teenagers under your umbrella is a, is a really good thing to do, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to letting them kind of encounter it all on their own. <laughs> right. Once they're out of the house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, Jamie, I really appreciate how you brought that. I think that's a great question to ask, you know, is this appropriate for me? Cause be- because by the time our kids are 15, 16, Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably not too many things that we would say at that point. I don't want you to think through this or I don't want right. you to process. You know, they're 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 not very far away from leaving the home. And so if it's appropriate for me, then there's yeah, right. most of the time we could probably say it would it would be appropriate for them. to. Yeah, I, I just um, what come, I was thinking about this is this is a book, um, but I'm thinking of it in terms of the musical. My sister was just wrestling with this um, personally with um, the musical Les Mis, Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a book, um, but it's a musical as well. And right. we were talking about taking my 16 year old niece. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of, of themes in right. there um, that she was kind of struggling with whether or not to, you know, that she could see it or not. And then finally she was like, wait, she's 16. Like we (laughs) need to be talking about this, you know, particularly as it relates to, to women and the exploitation Mm -hmm. of women and, you know, some of those kinds of things. And she's like, it's time that we talk about this, you Mm know? And, um, so we did and we went together and we saw it and, you know, had the discussions and it was, it was a really great time. And, um, so I think, you know, it can really be valuable. Um, but it was one of those things that, you know, we're not just going to watch some show that exploits women. You know, Les Miserables yes. has so many beautiful, one of the most beautifully redemptive stories that that has been written. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was much value to it. Um, right. And so it, it definitely was worth walking through those difficult parts in order to get to the beauty and the redemption. And, um, cause it's, it's just such a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Yes. I highly yeah. recommend the book if you can get through all like 1200 pages. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know. Definitely. But it's yeah. so good. It's my top five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, and something else I've been thinking about is, you know, there, I don't think we need to feel for our teens or for ourselves that there's a rush to, okay, I've got to 
get my you know team through all these classics before right. they read home before they leave home and um that we they have a life ahead of them and that it's not about checking boxes or you know making sure they have all these classics read or oh i you know that they should feel guilty for not getting there yet but there's there's delight ahead for them mm-hmm. we can be excited for what they didn't get to. And I think like I hardly read any classics until I became an adult. It just wasn't something that anyone exposed me to. And so I'm, you know, I've started my journey as an adult and I'm continuing on it. There's still so many classics that I'm, I'm excited to read. So I just don't think we, we have to rush it. Right. I'm with you, Holly. I have done the bulk of my reading on my own as an adult Mm -hmm. as well. So, Mm -hmm. and that includes most of the classics too. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, in the exact same boat. And I mean, and I read a good deal of classics, yeah. both in high school and college. Mm-hmm. And my list of what I have not read is still, you know, 10 times as long as that, that which I have read. So yeah, there's a lifetime of reading ahead uh, yes. for your teenagers. Yeah, right. Definitely. Well, some of you might be thinking, okay, so are there any that you would, you know, recommend if we we can't give you all the recommendations from Honey for a Teen's Heart, but um, we can give you, you know, a handful. Um, So one of the first um, books that came to my mind is maybe maybe something that um, is a little bit easier, not as, you know, really difficult or mature themes is Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. So there are so many great things to discuss in that. Um, and I, I just read that in the past year, I think it's been, or maybe two years, um, and discussed that with friends. And so, you, you know, that's one to read and reread as an adult. Um, and, Definitely. Um, I think anything by Austin, Jane Austen yes. is, is kind of kind of falls into that category mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, she has such insight into human nature, but there's nothing salacious at all in her in her novels. And so um, I think that any 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 novel about Jane Austen, mm-hmm. a teenager, it would be appropriate. Yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we have read some of the some of Iliad and the Odyssey um, more when my kids have been young. We've read abridged versions of those books by Homer. Um, and I think it's been helpful. I had never read any of them before my kids started reading them. And so we would read some abridged just for understanding. I think it helped them to get a little bit of the story. And now my oldest is reading um, has read in the past couple of years, the unabridged. Um, but those are just, you know, there's, timeless, like we've talked about with classics in general, timeless Mm -hmm. themes um, that, you know, things that you wouldn't think so being such an ancient book that, but we, but there's still those same themes that come up for us today. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I definitely will encourage my boys to read, read the Iliad, the Odyssey, and then other things like Beowulf, you know, there are other ancient poems that are just um, so rich. And so I, I will definitely be encouraging them to read those as teenagers Mm -hmm. for sure. And then I think, like, they're in this classics category. I mean, we're probably thinking of ones that, you know, we see in bookstores that are recommend that we would might see more in an, an adult section. But I think some of the children's classics, like mm-hmm. Wind in the Willows, it, you know, it's not, yes. and it's, I think there are things that adults will get out of it too that maybe kids, mm-hmm. you know, pass over or Heidi or the Little Princess. And there's, you know, some difficult themes in there, but, you know, still, but maybe something that a little bit of a younger child could also process. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, just like there are so many classics that your teen will never get to until they're an adult, there are so many great children's books that your right. your child will never get to. And yes. so as a teenager, I think it's a great time to, to catch up on those books mm-hmm. if you haven't yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think they should stop reading Louisa May Alcott and George MacDonald and Ralph Moody and E. Nesbitt and, mm-hmm. and all of these wonderfully delightful children's authors, um, they're still appropriate in the teenage years as well, for Definitely. sure. I know yeah. I, I've been thinking about that because I haven't, since my oldest is about to become a teenager, I haven't, I've kind of been thinking, oh, okay, so maybe this is the time to start branching into some of the, more of these teen books. But I, I also think there's so many, like you're saying, and children's classics or other children's books that that we still haven't gotten to. So I don't feel like I want to rush it. Like, oh, now she's a teenager. So now we need to be, you know, done with these and move (laughs) on. And I don't sense that from her either. So I'm kind of leaning towards just continuing reading some of these books that, you know, are supposedly for children a little longer. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And, you know, I I think the teenage years, um, that's the perfect time to encounter things like, um, C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, um, and of course, Lord of the Rings, if they didn't do that one earlier as well. I know a lot of kids start reading that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, my mm-hmm. boys are very eager to start. We've read uh, The Hobbit, and yeah. they're ready for Lord of yep. the Rings. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, rereading some of those things in teenage years, I think, um, is a valuable um exercise as well because they're they're in a different place. So even if my, you know, eight year old, nine year old son has read Lord of the Rings, he's gonna encounter it in a very different way when he's nineteen or you know, yes, sixteen or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so some of those kind of tried and true um classics are are wonderful and well, so, it's like, Jamie, it's sort of like you saying, you know, you read some of these in high school, but, you know, re- if you read them again as an adult, you're same kind of thing. You're probably going to get or you probably have gotten different things from yes. them, you know, than when yes. you're younger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jamie, I do you have any other recommendations? Um, well, my go-to recommendations, I always recommend Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. So, um you know, obviously, I think the teenagers are, th- that's a great time to really kind of delve into Shakespeare because he, he also has so much insight into human nature and they're, mm-hmm. they're funny and they're tragic and there's just so much, um, there's so much richness in Shakespeare. Um, anything by Dickens, I think, mm-hmm. um, those can be hard too, but yeah. they're, um, you know, um, classic and, and beautiful. And, um, I think, you know, reading um, our country's classics. I mean, we're in the United States here where we're recording. Um, so, you know, things like um, the autobiography of Ben Franklin or the Federalist Papers or, you know, some of the things that that focus on the, the history of our country, um, that's a good time. And I'll be honest, there are very few really true classics that I won't recommend for teenagers, say about 15 and up. Um, mm-hmm. when they are read in conjunction with a discerning and engaged parent. And if you're asking the question, you know, should my child read this? I think you probably already are um, that kind of parent. And so um, there, are, I mean, obviously I don't mean walking into a bookstore and just pulling out, you know, anything on the shelves, but right. um, tried and true classics, um, I think are um, pretty, um, I, I, I just hesitate not to recommend them. Mm-hmm. I just think they probably should should be read. So, 
Um, and I do feel like I need to say that there are plenty of modern novels for teenagers that are very good and highly recommended. I feel like mm-hmm. I kind of um, put down modern modern novels earlier, and I, I want to say that that is not always the case. Um, the works of people like Indy Wilson and Andrew Peterson come to mind. And, and Holly, you mentioned A Wrinkle in Time, Madeline Lingle. Mm-hmm. You know, she's really popular right now. And so I absolutely don't want to dismiss modern works offhand because that would be a huge mistake. So you definitely want to encourage your teenagers to read some of those authors. You just have to be a little bit more um, discerning and do a little bit more detective work with, with more of the modern novels because they haven't proven themselves. The classics have proven themselves over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they've stood the test of time. And, um, you know, obviously we don't have that with the modern works. And so you have to be a little bit more discerning. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I was also thinking about some non nonfiction, like what we consider maybe a Christian classic. Yeah. So of course, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, that's something yes. that um, I want my teens to read. And we're talking about maybe when would be the best time for that. And then Augustine's Confessions is another one that comes to right. mind as far as kind of a, a nonfiction Christian classic. Love those. I love those recommendations. Those are great. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have for tonight, for today. Um, Jamie, do you have any final thoughts? No, that's that's good. I just I'm thinking of all the classics that I haven't read that right. we talked about today. <laughs> so yes, I know. Making my TV read list really, really yep. long. <laughs> yep, it makes me want to. I know I'm in the middle of David Copperfield, mm-hmm. and so I've been on and off and. You know, there's been some some heavy parts and some parts I'm trying, you know, pushing through to get to the to the um, to the to the beauty and the light in it. But that's how a lot right. of classics are. There, there's yes. a, there's some darkness to kind of walk through, and before we see some redemptive moments. So. Um, well, thank you for listening. Um, as always, we would appreciate you going to iTunes or wherever you listen from to leave us a review or a star rating. We would really, really appreciate that. And as Jamie mentioned earlier, um, if you have um, questions about this topic or in, about anything, really, we'd love to for you to leave us a message on our StoryForum Facebook page. Um, and then we have a story formed home Instagram account too, if you want to leave us a message there. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at storyform.com for show notes and like us on our Storyform Facebook page and follow us at Storyformed Home on Instagram. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a comment so that others can find out about us too. May you and your family be Storyformed.